0: All right. We are live. Hello everyone from a belated edition of the CMTK Talk Hour and we are back myself CM Kozamand and our co-host TK Sivgin. Hello. Hello at at with the 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 Honour here must go to you, my friend, because I've been extremely busy for over a month. And I just want to thank you for egging me on to do this other episode. And I mean, today's subject is like sort of going to be about a deep dive into the Jersey devil creature, maybe. But before going, uh, let's tackle our real-life developments, which in some parts are more fantastic and hor- horrifying than any cryptid I can imagine. So you take it first, my friend. How has yeah, it been
1: for you? Let's start with like the most pleasant events that happened since last episode. Um, we both watched Avatar, The Way of Water. And-
0: yes, yes, yes.
1: And... It
0: was a great sequel, but uh, what did you think about it?
1: I also thought it's great. Like, like the what I love about James Cameron is that he is like honest in his passion. Like,
0: oh yes, like oh, he, yes.
1: Is, he can be like very like cheesy and schmaltzy, but he's like honest and passionate about it, which like carries over to the viewer. And yeah, compared like, like any other movie, like the Marvel or Star Wars movies were like. Every time there is like a serious moment, they like have to interject it with like some side joke because they don't want to take themselves so seriously. And do you have oh, that true. in Cameron movies? And I kinda love that. And I think I think that's kind of why these movies resonate so well with general audiences, why these are so successful movies.
0: Yeah, he's like a no no bullshit filmmaker and like really passionate about his craft. I think like like when we're talking about Big films, like not art house films, like Iranian cinema or something. Because when we are talking about big films, he's like straight up there in the Pantheon with uh, Spielberg, like right after Spielberg maybe, and right before George Lucas, in my opinion. And then you climb down the stairs. You got other names like Scorsese or something, but you really nail it on the head when you when you said that like a lot of contemporary filmmaking is too cynical too ironic, too self-deprecating. And I really wonder, like, a part of that might be due to some sort of generational inferiority complex, especially when you look at, like, some of the Star Wars reboots and stuff. But, uh, think, yeah, congratulations on Cameron for that yeah, whole...
1: I think it's just, like, a this, like, general cycle of culture and then counterculture. Like, in the 80s, you had all these, like, very serious action movies and then, like, starting with the 90s you know like like the Bart simpson generation people started to be like more cynical and less serious about stuff and that's how you got like the mm-hmm. modern media where everything is kind of made fun of
0: yeah like also it's also hard to stop swinging the other way like i would counterpose an example the the plight of the guy who filmed tenet what's his name christopher nolan
1: Ah, oh, yeah nolan yeah
0: then he's a case of taking himself too seriously, I think, but it's a good balance in that respect. Like N- Nolan's films are so serious, sometimes the humanity feels drained from them, especially like uh, I'm talking about, I'm, I'm thinking about Dunkirk and that other film about serious guys doing some unidentifiable serious stuff. Tenet
1: you made Interstellar, right?
0: He did, but even that is like. Like when you rewatch it, it's like so. Like there's something flat about it, even though like the sights and the stuff is great.
1: Like yeah, you're right. I know what you mean. Like like when I watched it, I had a great feeling that this was like his attempt to make 2001: A Space Odyssey, Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm.
1: but like there was just something missing from the, the which made that movie so magical. You know, like. Yes, Stanley Kubrick is like a whole other uh, dimensional filmmaker.
0: Oh, well, I think uh, when it comes to like the serious space movie of this decade, I think that one film with Brad Pitt in it really... Ad Astra. T- t- Ad Astra was the really good one, yeah. I still have to I watch mean, like, that. Oh, you should. It's like the the space movie Christoph Nolan thinks he wishes he might have made. Yeah. And I'll just leave it at that. It's like really serious and maybe there's like one percent techiness in it, but still like really, really good movie. I would recommend it with my eyes closed to anyone else and going back to Avatar for a bit, I actually published a like short review of it, but really, like when we sat down at the cinema, there was such a sense of finally like an immersive universe film away from all the all the mundane shit of daily life yeah, I that's uh... finally.
1: That's the thing where this this movie is also so successful. It's just pure escapism. And I think that's what people need nowadays. Like people are kind of sick of serious movies that portray, that try to portray like the grittiness and depression in real life. They want to go to the movies to have fun again. Oh, yes, yes. Very, very true. Like compared to King Kong in 1933 was like the same thing. It was, it came out right in the middle of the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. And like portrayed nothing of that inside, it was just a straight up adventure movie, and I think that's why, in part, it was so successful and so iconic.
0: I mean, there's a great, great quote by Eric Hobsbawm, the historian. He says, When talking about the Great Depression, it is a little wonder how great film theaters went up like dream palaces in the most sordid days of the Depression, like words to that effect and those two phrases like a dream palace i mean this this really was one and so so Especially and with
1: the 3d effects in avatar like
0: ooh yes it's it's amazing to think that it was technically last year and it's been a few months since that and we changed we entered the whole new year and well i think we got a whole set of other new reasons to seek shelter in dream palaces in uh, such as Basically, a conventional World War Three, and I mean, oh, we yeah. really had a bad one last month, last week in Turkey, a couple of weeks ago, with this uh, earthquake of the century. Being lucky to I've, hit our I country, think almost
1: millennium. Like I, I don't know any case where there were so many earthquakes of such magnitude in such a short time in the same region.
0: Well, at least not in the Pacific, certainly. And what was scary about this is, like, even even thousands of years old parts of the cities and the neighborhoods were destroyed. Like, it was something clearly, I mean, even letting aside the oversight by construction developers and all that, it was something clearly that no one was ready for. And I don't know, I mean, I still think people haven't really come to terms with what happened and it's just going to be like fortunately nobody i know was seriously hurt but it's little comfort when it's it's been like a war zone and like like
1: like here in switzerland in germany also like there is a big turkish diaspora and like yes, yes. everyone everyone knows someone who was in, affected in some way like even our family we have friends in, our family has friends in hatay and oh. like, the first news of the earthquakes we We messaged them and they didn't write back. And we really thought the worst had happened. Uh, Thankfully, they later did answer. They were still alive. They're okay. But apparently, like, their whole neighborhood was destroyed.
0: Yeah, well, I had, my family had the bad end of the stick in the August 1999 earthquake, where we Uh, lost my grandmother. It was in the Istanbul region. And she sadly passed away in her, our summer house. And that was like one of like the, for me personally, one of the formative deep dive, deepest lore events of my life. But because of that, like I was in some ways vaccinated about the whole psychological process. So like for a couple of days, there was like this numb grief and like, I mean, people from my day job and everything, everybody was like, like blanked out, then fear comes in and everybody starts talking about are our buildings solid enough, whatever. And then there's also a bit of rage directed against power figures and all that. But and then there's like even like the other day I was on the bus and people are like, oh, they're taking concrete samples. I don't know what's going to happen. At least our window, our bed is close to the window and something And I remember going through the exact same thing, but this time around, I felt like it's bizarre how like vaccinated you feel. And I felt like kind of shamed going about my daily life. But, you know, I mean, uh, truth be told, I mean, it's all a bit more easier with friends and family being there for us. But it's really like, I mean, you get conditioned to it. So anyway, Jersey Devil, Jersey
1: Devil. Uh, what no else wait, have you? Been can I doing? Wait, wait, wait. like I <laughs> have like one anecdote related to earthquakes. Um, oh yes, yes. Like in Foča, there is this enigma of a person, like an, like an old man, like kind of looks like an ancient California surfer dude. And hmm, Foča like, is this
0: in, a seaside town in Turkey. Yes, yeah, yes.
1: In yeah, in in the Izmir region. Yeah, and. Like like, yeah, I encountered this guy every time I was on vacation with our family, with my family. Mm -hmm. Like he like just walks around the beach and says like really weird stuff and does like funny things and Mm -hmm. and nobody really knows about him, but like I think I like what is known is that during the nineteen ninety-nine earthquake in Istanbul, like he lived there and he was trapped under debris for like multiple days. Oh, and this like oh. left some mental impact on him that left him like this weird until today, but now he is like a very like pleasant but very weird person. Like he yells at the sun, and that's <laughs> like he's married to her.
0: Oh, guy, guy just conducted the solar marriage. Yeah, but I mean, o- o- all the jokes aside,
1: like I, mean... I, I mean, I, I don't want to make fun of him. It's he, he, genuinely fascinating person.
0: I mean, I think every seaside place in the Mediterranean has been chosen by God to have at least one character like this, be it from an earthquake, a natural disaster, addiction, or some other sort of personal trauma, or sometimes for no reason at all. Like sometimes eccentrics just are eccentrics. But yes, I think in in Turkey and in much of the Mediterranean region, uh, no summer place is complete without one especially there's the whole, I think, this cathartic psychological landscape of a summer resort town in winter. And I mean, if you have spent any time (laughs) in a summer place in winter, it's depressing as hell. And I mean, I I spent a few months attempting to do this during COVID and it's really dark and depressing and like you really see in history like historically, these places were mostly places of exile. and you really understand why they were like places of punishment rather than like some sort of sun, sand and sea kind of place. So there,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, because tourism, as we know it today, is like was only invented in like the last century, really.
0: Oh yes, for the big masses at least. I mean, for for elites, they had something like the Grand Tour of Europe. And for I think the British had it for like another eighty more years because they yeah. pioneered. Yeah, like the life first and all
1: that. Uh, tourists in that sense were like some rich British people who wanted to see the the Alps.
0: Oh yes, Could oh yes,
1: there.
0: the Grand Tour they called it.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, the Romans had it too, but we don't exactly know their patterns. They had. They seem to have had like. Sun and like good times tourism and also religious tourism too, to to certain sites, but
1: yeah, like the old yeah, you could argue the oldest form of tourism is like uh migrating to like certain holy spots, you know, like um, this one place in northern Spain where like all the medieval Christians went, um,
0: oh, Santiago de Compostela, exactly, or yeah, because that's that they... the name,
1: yeah, or of course, yeah, yeah. Mecca is like the prime example of like a pilgrimage site.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: like those like it's not vacation in the sense that we understand it today but it was like a form of going out into the world and seeing stuff for like your own um, benefit
0: the romans seem to have had like like our contemporary understanding of tourism too, like going to see somewhere for pleasure or at least like not out of religious compulsion but like going there and it's a kind of nice to have thing like going to Paris and seeing the Eiffel Tower, so to speak. And I remember talking with a classical studies specialist friend of mine that they would write about, the class even uh, came to feature in it, uh, strangely enough. So in the Roman world, there was also this, like, basically in the, pre- like, similar to the present day, there was this great bunch of urban people who were not farmers, not peasants, or not, like like, peons in the classical sense but they lived in the city hand to mouth they are like the people for whom the bread and circuses were invented and there's even like narratives by more wealthier like elite people saying like oh i went to this and that place to see the temples of this and that but the rebel is too thick that it's just detestable and all these like uh, poor people very modern very, very modern. Scarily so like the modern. The modern
1: attitude of like a, a, elite urban people, yeah. Oh, yes, yes.
0: Scarily modern in fact. And, you know, uh, I think it's like a portentous warning that you know, it could be reset reset very, very rapidly. And that maybe that's the way these things are meant to be. I
1: don't yeah. know. I think like with the war in Ukraine and like all these other crises in the whole world really, I think like maybe I'm just one of the countless doomsayers who get who eventually turns out to be wrong. But I think we are in a great time of change. I'm not sure if it will be good change or negative change, but I think something oh. massive is about to change.
0: Something is about to give. I have that feeling. I mean, personally, I have because of I'm recording my dreams every day and stuff. So among the dream recordings, I cannot disclose. I also recently had this vision of, like, basically something explosive and big was supposed to happen on March the 5th or May the 5th, 2023. And we are recording this on the 22nd of February, 2023. And, you know, let this be a record for posterity that if some mystical shit goes down, old uncle memo may have foreseen it in his dream
1: you just reminded me you know like in the video about the bursa sky beast you said that like when people saw it they saw this like an omen for an earthquake oh
0: yes yes and it happened a couple of months later in a part of the country nearly 600 kilometers away so it wasn't very spot on
1: like <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. Like, I mean, it probably was coincidence, but it is just eerie again, to to watch that video of yours today. Ooh,
0: where well, somebody else commented on that, but to play the devil's advocate, that's like the soft prophecy because how many other clouds, weird clouds, were there in other parts of the world? And like, is there a match between those and those? I don't know. I don't know, but I mean, the thing aside, I really believe. Also I want to state this with a caveat because uh, in the online sphere especially among this far right uh, s- far right groups they're also celebrating for the end of the world and like the hard reset and they're going on and on about kali yuga and like there's especially this one weird italian pros- philosopher uh, his name eludes me oh no I should have known There's this one weird Italian philosopher who is all about like cycles of civilization and civilization in a a decline or stuff like that. But I would like to go on for a record that even though I am certain we are living in portentous times, momentous times, and there's a risk of things collapsing, I don't think it's going to be like a case of like... um, libertarian right-wing people holding out against migrants or something like that. But it's going to be something like uh, maybe never own a car, never go on a holiday, but there's still going to be radio. You're still going to be like living in an apartment, but maybe instead of gas, you will have installed a, a kind of iron, uh, wood-burning stove. And then instead of going on for Indonesian cuisine, you're just going to get like soybeans from a local market or maybe you'll be lucky there's going to be like a derelict ship from argentine in port so you're just going to be like it's going to be like life in the immediate aftermath of the soviet union for many 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 people i think Uh, but i think certain like brass tacks like electrical power uh, radio stuff like that uh, those are going to be very difficult to
1: roll back yeah do you think the internet uh, will persist?
0: It will persist, but you're gonna have to take real good care of your computer, because microchips and stuff like it's gonna be a bit like that demolition man kind of thing. And, and and I think like people may be able to roll things back relatively quicker. So maybe in like twenty to thirty years, instead of like one thousand. But those 20 to 30 years, you know, there's going to be lots of cozy moments listening to the radio next to the wood stove and just chatting, I don't know. I mean, the internet in some form, I think, will be around, but the machines people use to surf on it, they might be harder to come by. Who
1: knows? Yeah, Maybe like computers will be restricted to libraries.
0: Oh, yes. Or like, I don't know, I mean, it's even going to come down to like I mean, when te- when telephones and televisions first came to Turkey, and this is within the living memory of my parents, and I've read a- read a lot of memoirs about that, like you would apply to get the telephone, and then you would fill in some paperwork, and then you would have the telephone in a month or so, and like in in one neighborhood when the telephone came, people would just like I don't know, bake uh, bake bureks or like get some tea or something in a samovar. And they would go, ring, ring. Hello, who is it? Ah, it's our neighbor, this and that from next door. We just need to look, look at the telephone. So they would like eat those cookies and bureks and drink tea and just look at the telephone. And like, there's even cases of like old grannies, like stroking the telephone, saying it's so brightly colored, this <laughs> mica or like bake light covering. And the same with 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 telephone, like with the television. So like we think it's like a something that draw people apart but when you have a television only one television in like 50 households people would like move from household to household like in a social way that's at least the cozy silver lining of the whole story but my faith in humanity and our adaptability is very strong yeah, so
1: like so, I don't yeah. think like a major sh- major shift will happen, but it won't be like the apocalypse. It won't be like catastrophic.
0: Oh it will just yeah,
1: be, will just be a shift in how we we imagine what society is and what governments should do for people. Oh yes, yes, and, definitely. Like and just living standards, I wouldn't even say would will get worse. They will just change.
0: Yeah, I think like I mean before, you know like,
1: like like for comparison like um you know like we've imagined this the Roman Empire is so advanced like socially and culturally and uh, infrastructurally, but when you look mm-hmm. at like the estimated lifespans of like the late Roman Roman Empire compared mm-hmm. with those under in Europe under Charlemagne. Uh, <laughs> early medieval people actually had a slightly higher lifespan than the later Roman yep. inhabitants
0: yep yep because I think because when cities were imploded... just
1: more safer more consistent because of uh, because feudalism while it is not as advanced as like a republic or something it had its benefits for the time it was uh, established
0: Oh, I strongly agree by the way being a writer of Extremely creepy fiction yourself. How do you feel the like? Uh, so like, so if if our world pulled a Rome 2.0 how do you think it would pan out in your part of the world? I'm really curious
1: to hear. Oh, Switzerland will persist.
0: Oh yes, you got shelters.
1: You got shelters. all your money.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, well,
1: also you got shelters, and actually you got a really
0: resilient infrastructure, don't you?
1: Yeah, like. It used to be that there were enough bunkers in all of Switzerland to house the entire population. Though I'm not uh-huh. sure if that they have kept up with that, with like changing building codes and attitudes. Can you
0: can you farm enough food to feed everyone? I think that that's the biggest challenge in the that upcoming.
1: Is, that would indeed be a challenge, but I think there are like enough granaries to last for at least a couple of years. Yeah, like a total uh, fallout event or something.
0: Well, I think maybe another silver lining of our day and age is that at least in quote-unquote developed countries, not many people have kids anymore. So like, if you kind of live in low power mode for a generation, your population is immediately halved. And then the next generation is kind of less constrained for resources. So, so there's like more food for thought. Unintended
1: anyway uh where were we we were uh we were still talking about like t- times of change and stuff but uh we should probably move yeah, on yeah. That. uh should we actually now...
0: i was curious about like your view of the upcoming quote-unquote soft apocalypse but i think we spoke about that with switzerland yeah, yeah. having but i was also curious about this uh great malta vacation you had
1: oh yeah like uh At the beginning of this month, I was with my girlfriend in Malta for four days. Not much, but it was, I think, enough, plenty of time to explore like the whole island because it's not that big. Uh huh. Yeah, it's beautiful, very fascinating place. Like the only, it's the only country in the EU where the national language is a Semitic one. Because oh yeah,
0: Maltese, uh, Maltese language.
1: The Maltese language language is basically an evolved dialect of Arabic because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Arabs once uh, used to own, uh, like, occupied the island before it was then conquered by the Normans from Italy.
0: Yeah, there's a whole bizarre intermission in the Middle Ages, in which basically, contrary to what we think now, the entire Mediterranean was an Arabic sea. And this is like the earliest, like earliest centuries of the caliphates. And basically even places like Sicily and Sardinia, like Like places you think today are like the most like Porco Rosso kind of Mediterranean places. But I think they had a different sensibility back then too, I think. like,
1: um, And did you know there used to be like even an Arabic colony in what is today like the the Rhône area or the Provence area in France. Like the western part of the Alps, there was an actual like Arabic colony sent out from Cordoba, which Mm -hmm, I don't mm -hmm. know the name anymore, but like they legit occupied various uh, Alpine passes throughout Switzerland. And there's like some like fringe theories that some uh, place names in Switzerland actually derive from Arabic because of that. But, I don't think that's, like, supported by modern historians.
0: Whoa. I mean, certainly, actually, this interaction was probably where the West relearned all the classics as they were translated back from Arabic, because we oh, never forget. Especially
1: in al andalus
0: Yeah, yeah. And also, I think a lot of, like, 13th century, 14th century Italian uh, classic literature... I mean, I haven't seen this directly myself, but I read claims about very direct influences and in literature between Arabic literature and later on early Western literature. So, like, yeah. it was a hot house of exchange, um, let us say. An
1: immediate example that comes to my mind is, you know, uh, the Divine Comedy by Dante Alighieri. Um the way he describes oh, yes, yes, hell yes. in those poems is not actually accurate to how hell is described in the Bible, but has more mm-hmm. in common with like Islamic uh, theology and folklore on hell. It's
0: I mean like the, it's this whole like uh, possible.
1: this like circle structure of hell, like that's actually that actually comes from Islam, not Christianity.
0: I mean it's entirely possible, and it seems to me like before the Renaissance a lot of like learned culture in, in in Europe was imported basically from former islamic scholars and lands and only with the renaissance did they kind of retcon the whole thing and said basically we are palladian greeks now and then there's this whole like i mean it's if you're listening to this and you want to do a phd in history go go research this whole area cuz it's a very very interesting and uh, counterintuitive field of study let me just oh, say
1: definitely. but anyway back to Malta Um, it, it's a beautiful mm-hmm. place uh, the people were all very nice and we visited some very interesting things like on the smaller island of Gozo we were on like one of these like double decker bus sightseeing tours
0: mm-hmm.
1: and by coincidence we it stopped by a Neolithic museum which I didn't oh. even know it existed like a whole Neolithic site I only knew on I only learned about on that day and we stopped there, we went out, we went into the museum and it was very fascinating. It was like a, a it's called the Gigantika Temple. And Is it, it like giant and cyclopean and all that? Yeah, it's apparently like before Göbekli Tepe was discovered in Turkey, it was thought that this one here was uh, the largest and oldest uh, remaining megalithic site known. Whoa, yeah, uh, it was like constructed uh, around 3500 BC.
0: Wouldn't it be fascinating if they were constructed 11 million years ago by another civilization that dwelled in what was then the giant salt valley, basically, on uh, that the was the Mediterranean
1: civilization? You know, there, there was like this whole branch of apes in Europe that is completely extinct now, and there's like some fringe <laughs> theories, mostly from like uh, racists that like humanity actually descends from these apes, but that's not true. But anyway, the, what is interesting <laughs> is that some dry Peter scenes um, did experiment with bipedalism, which is where you got those theories from. Oh, I mean, it's not impossible. I think if you re
0: the theory of life, it's interesting. Everyone wants to get the monkey because everyone wants to be Like the Piltdown Man is a classical example. Yeah. So, so, so there. I mean,
1: or maybe it was like an elephant civilization. Wouldn't that be funny?
0: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Actually, it would make more sense for elephants to build structures like Gobekli Tepe and those Maltese ruins. I mean, it could be like larder sites for them to come together. Yeah, and... I mean,
1: have you seen videos of like Indian elephants? How they transport wood and stuff like it makes it very believable. They're
0: extremely dexterous, so you know don't also, and, don't yeah.
1: And the tusks are very good at holding uh, up uh, heavy stuff.
0: Oh yes, yes, they're very, and their trunks are extremely dexterous too. I also watched lots of videos of like elephants, Indian elephants, basically painting. Yeah, and they can like draw circles and stuff like. Yeah, but
1: many of those videos, those animals were like uh, trained. Is like the wrong word because they were often abused to get that result.
0: Ah, so they had Pavlovian conditioning.
1: Especially if they actually paint like a distinct uh, structure, like if they paint a smaller elephant, then you know that they were like um, trained and often abused by their trainers.
0: Ooh, I did not know this, so yeah. so maybe not the yeah. best analogy. Especially like
1: throw. those tourist attractions and stuff, that that's usually a sign of animal abuse because.
0: Yeah. Ooh, I stand corrected. All right, all right. So, actually, I missed talking to you so much, and today was mm-hmm. gonna be the Jersey Devil special.
1: Yeah, let's go. Let's let's just jump in, right? Yeah, I that's yeah, what yeah. want to hear.
0: Yes. Yes. So. I think like uh, what really drove me to this creature always was this original 1909 illustration where it looks like a weird dinosaur with wings, but also like with strange uh, bovine features.
1: Yeah, it's and like, I think it's like a bipedal goat with bat wings.
0: Yeah, if it hadn't been for that illustration, maybe it would have been like a more like lower tier cryptid, like the skunk ape or some like. Something like that. but I think that illustration really sells it as a unique creature and and it's funny because the earliest accounts of the creature are nothing like that. Basically, the popular folklore states that there was this like bad mama character called Mother Leeds. and then for some reason, she was pregnant for the 13th time. And then she cursed the child, saying, like, I, I, God damn it, I've had enough of this motherfucking kids in this motherfucking house. So, because she cursed the kids so bad, the somehow the devil cursed her. So, in the year of our good Lord, 1735, she gave birth to a creature with hooves, a goat's head, bat wings, and a forked tail. In other versions, this was like, Basically, the devil himself came over and, like, fathered this child, let us say. And then, basically, this thing, like, flew up the chimney, like... <laughs> but at this point, it's like a boring, I think, like, demon baby character and nothing like this spectacular yeah. pteropod horse creatures.
1: Yeah, but what, what is interesting, I'm reading that on the Wikipedia page, and I said, apparently even before that... Uh... Mother Leeds' character existed. The the native mm-hmm, people mm. who lived in New Jersey, the Lenape, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, had oh, already yes. a legend of like a deer creature with leathery wings.
0: Hmm. That's always a popular motif in cryptids, isn't it? Like, so some creature that's later made popular by, let us say, the dominant population in one place. Yeah, they immediately have a kind of they. I either dig up or maybe sometimes even invent a a, a prequel saying like it has been here all along. A lot of us us lake monsters are like that too. Like things like Ogopogo and like uh, even the Cadborosaurus thing. Even with, I think like things like the Loch Ness monster, I think you're the authority on that, but wasn't there like certain things about the Loch Ness monster that attributed it to like, yeah, kelpie. pagan europeans and celtic myths basically
1: yeah like in celtic myth there was this uh, this uh, story of the kelpie which was a horse like a creature that looked exactly like a horse and it lived close to the water but mm-hmm, then, mm-hmm. but if you went up to the horse and tried to pet it like your hand got stuck on its very sticky skin and then it dragged you into the water to eat your liver or something like that I and, think
0: it needs the vitamins.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like that one character in The X-Files, to which we will come later. And Oh, yes, yeah, yes. And yeah, like, I mean, it is interesting that stories like that existed around Loch Ness and other rivers, or they now say there's like lake monsters. But I mean, if you look at the description of the creature, it looks nothing like how we imagine Nessie. It's just a horse that's evil.
0: And carnivores. Well, I mean, the 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 Jersey Devil myth has like a kind of continuation along similar lines. So, in some ways, I mean, it's it's impossible to see the effects of like the basically um the original founding father colony uh, religious extremism and like the whole uh, whole storm of persecution of women as witches and stuff. So, like it's certain that like this woman was on the receiving ends of some bad rumors, let us just say. And then from there on, the, the, the thing kind of takes a life of its own. So apparently what happens was like there was a general and he was in the region examining cannons, basically artillery. Okay. And then they saw a flying creature and then the, the the Commodore was like, make ready, and the cannon was readied, and it was <laughs> fired at the creature to no effect. Nothing happened. And then famously, the elder brother of Napoleon himself, Joseph Bonaparte, apparently was one day hunting on his Borden town estate, and reportedly saw the devil. And then very similar to cattle mutilations, these were also blamed for livestock killings and then apparently there were tracks and screams and then it, this lasted until like the early 1900s in in the like in, in even until like the 1930s and stuff like that there were like rewards out for them and even i think as late as 1960s there were like strange noises and tracks heard and people claimed it was a devil and there was even a reward of ten thousand dollars for the capture of the Jersey Devil in nineteen sixty. Remember, this is like after the invention of, invention of color TV. But I think like the biggest wave also happened like near the early nineteen hundreds. And then, I mean, I'm skimming through Wikipedia now. We're not as greatly prepared as you would think we are, dear listeners. But that I hope we, our conversation.
1: Uh, we record this. We record these episodes very spontaneously. Let's say it like that.
0: I hope our conversation makes for good banter. So, and I, I think it also made an appearance in one of our favorite TV shows, right?
1: Yeah, the X Files. But there, it's like, apart from the fact that it's like in New Jersey, it has like nothing to do with the legend as you've told it in that, in that episode. Mm-hmm. In like, I think it's the first season. It's mm-hmm. like a species of. Humans has gone like feral and preys on like regular urbanized humans as prey
0: oh yes and they had these camouflage scenes where they could like almost cover themselves with moss and lichens yeah right
1: and like, like yeah right at the end like the the Jersey devil woman like she tries to bury herself in the dirt under like the leaflet before she's uh, killed
0: and and for some how they managed to stay undetected in the most industrialized, most car traveled parts of uh, one of the most car traveled parts of the world. But I remember like it was a distinct shot. I think it repeated for several times. Like they come to like a muddy tree or something and suddenly these bright blue eyes open in the foliage. So (laughs) that they use that shot like several times in that particular episode And it was very interesting that this new species of human did not look like American natives or any other person, but was basically like Eminem, blue eyes, and
1: like yeah. There, yeah, there is like a weird sub plot that I think don't think there's like ever any future episode that like resolves this, but like throughout episodes, uh, Mulder thinks it's like a distinct species of human, like some Neanderthal remnant, and then. They do and then when they do an autopsy on the woman, mm-hmm. they find out it's just an anatomically modern human with like no, with like no sign that this is like a distinct person or something. So it's like this just some homeless woman living in the wilds.
0: Yeah, and it was like such a throwaway episode to, You know, like yeah. X Files, they have like this the main mythos arc with like Mulder's alien. family, aliens. Scully's dad and all that. And then every once often there are these like throwaway episodes in which they like, oh, it's just another fucking monster and then next yeah. week it's business as usual
1: again. <laughs> I mean, I kind of like that atmosphere like that's like classic 90s television where you didn't try to tell like some grand story over multiple seasons, but you had just one monster of a one different monster each week.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. It was simply I...
1: because of how, like, back then, you didn't have streaming services, so people couldn't watch a whole season on one string, but only from time to time. So the stories of each episode had to be more disconnected for to make sense.
0: Yeah, so it kind of had to stand on its own two legs. I agree. And I also, like, after one point when I was watching The X-Files, I used to, like, in my head canon, like... Try to see certain episodes as parallel universes because there's no way in hell someone's going to have like that many encounters with mutants, aliens, wild men, monsters, crocodiles, lake monsters, everything. And like stay sane and actually not build up experience. Like there was this whole arc of like two or three episodes in which they tracked down this like shape-shifting human tombs. Remember those? Tombs. He's a squeeze guy. He could, like, oh, you mean, oh, the, stretch. The guy
1: which, like the, the human who hibernates, that guy? Yeah, yeah, I love oh, him. I love him. I remember, him. I remember, yeah. Like, there was a double, so, like, the, 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 yeah, that was like one of the cases where they had him in one episode and then they, they later made a follow up.
0: Yep, yep, he came back for more. He actually made a cocoon, but woke up from it. And I, I always distinctly remember, like, he was tearing strips of newspaper and just licking them. And making himself a Papier Masha nest, which I think was really cool, like some wasp leech man pervert yeah. kind of thing. But like, if you go through that once as a team, there's no way in hell you go to fucking Jersey next week. And this is like Soprano's extended universe. I mean, it's like like the most like walk of the street, you know, hit the pavement part of the US ever. It's not like the wilderness of Wyoming or anything, you know? So they go there. And once again, they're like completely going through the same uh, beats. Like there's an ambush scene. and But if you were ambushed by these aliens and these like stretch men only a few weeks ago, you'd be like, ah, okay, let's take it slow. But apparently that never happens. So there. <laughs> okay, okay. How about another dive into uh, the Wikipedia article for uh, Jersey Devil? Yes. How about you go ahead? You go ahead for oh. another interesting tidbit.
1: Yeah. See. Now, wait, there was this one thing I, I was skimming. Thing. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Well, wait. the
0: real real Jersey Devil was the friends we made along the way all the time. But here, apparently in 19- uh-huh.
1: 1909. Uh, during uh-huh. this period, it is rumored that the Philadelphia Zoo posted a $10,000 reward for the creature. The offer prompted a variety of hopes, hopes including mm-hmm. a kangaroo equipped with artificial claws and bat wings.
0: Of course. is mean that
1: amazing? <laughs> if that's true, that's hilarious.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's... Also, apparently there's this like darker side, like remember how we looked at the X-Files episode and it in the episode, it turned out it was just like basically some degenerate white people. Yeah. So apparently uh, during the 1700s and the 1800s, there was an area around this place called the Pine Barrens and they were like populated by outcasts of society. And even in the 20th century, there was like a, a very infamous eugenics study conducted on some residents there. The the infamous Kallikak family st- study, which kind of like showed that, tried to show in their view that basically they believe that these people had bred themselves into a degenerate and uh, sort of like dumb and evil subspecies but of course course, this was like a fashion of the times i mean eugenics was very popular in the u.s in that time and apparently they had photographs of this like degenerate family who was also living in the same broad region as the jersey devil and they actually basically airbrushed their faces to make them look more evil and degenerate and weird and so that's like another dark side note I'm always, like, interested, like, there's this kind of, like, beat-by-beat similarities between cryptozoology and the annals of human exploitation and injustice, let me just say.
1: Yeah, it's... It happens. Right. Like, there is, like, an interesting parallel with, like, various African cryptids, you know, like Mokele Mbembe. Oh, yes. Where is it reported from? From the rainforest regions Congo. of Congo and Congo like holy hell the colonial history of Congo is like it's literal it's hell like, like you know yeah, Belgium yeah, yeah. should burn for what they've done to that country
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean in, in, in a just and, world and it is I agree
1: interesting when you contrast it with like the aggressive behavior that is like impo- imparted on Mokel and Bembe which is like Like it kills everything it sees and it's like this great draconic creature. And if Mokele and Bember at any point really was uh, like a native tradition, which is doubtful because like most accounts we have seem to indicate that it was like invented by white settlers. But if it Mm -hmm. it was uh, such a thing, it may have originally been like some sort of symbolism for colonialists coming in and destroying everything.
0: Yeah, or like yeah, all these, like especially in the in the context of African cryptids, I think it's like a convenient way for uh, the colonizing powers to. I don't really like this word much, but it's a way for them to basically other the place, like other as a verb. Yeah, that's too. So of it's course. like an alien world populated with these like prehistoric yeah. monsters and stuff. Yeah, like and the
1: yeah, there's a, like very racist undertones in those things when they say like Africa has gone. Uh, unchanged since the time of the dinosaurs and of course yes. the, uh, the implication of that is always like that the people themselves also still live in the stone age which if you know much about the ha- african history is not true
0: no no not at, well... of
1: course if you know about african evolution about like all the new animal groups that uh, evolved newly in um, africa f- throughout the kenozoic you will see that it is not at all like this backwards place on earth it's like Actually, like one of the most uh, evolutionary, productive continents. in, in Dynamic. Yeah, yeah. In Earth history, like Proboscideans, humans, uh, and a whole bunch of other uh, modern, in quotations, uh, animal groups come from there.
0: Freaking hyenas and exactly. big cats, I think. Yeah. I don't know.
1: I believe hyenodonts may have also originated in... In Africa, oh. which is like this uh archaic uh proto carnivoran mammal group that was like very prominent in like the early Canozoic.
0: Oh whoa, oh, oh, whoa, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's even like this whole big group of if you want go really deep time, real big group of mammals called Afroteria.
1: Yeah, I mean that that group still exists. That's the one that encompasses uh sea cows, elephants, hyraxes, artworks, uh Gold moles, elephant shoes, and tenrets. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh well, there's even like I think a, a big, big subgroup of frogs call, called the Afro nurans which yeah. I I I could never forget after doing this deep dive research into old frogs. Basically,
1: yeah. are those the ones who wear like Afro's hair?
0: Mm. <laughs>
1: Imagine them wearing like wigs like that. Wouldn't that be hilarious? I I don't know. I think you know, those were like. You know, these these Afro ducks, like there's like a duck breed that has like a special head shape so that that it looks like they're wearing Afros.
0: I have no idea. I have like, all I know about the Afro hairstyle was like in in my home country, basically there was an advertising campaign that had like, basically if you use the certain credit card, you suddenly grew an Afro hair. And for some reason, you became cool and quirky, and they call this the bonus card. And so, colloquially, the name for afro became bonus hair. And it's just a weird, weird way of cultural evolution and languages and popular culture and all that. So, so <laughs> that's 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 all I can say on the matter. Yes. All but, right. Yeah. So-
1: back to like using cryptids to other people and places.
0: Maybe, maybe let's take a hard detour back to Jersey Devil and let's yes. apply the realistic uh, scenario. Like if this thing was real, what do you think it could have been?
1: I don't know. Like if we discount like the wings, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it's not... A... Unusual for various ungulates to sometimes walk on two legs. Oh, yes, yes, true. Deer can do that, like goats do that when they try to ram something. Uh, In Africa, there's like the Gerenuks, which uh, do it even regularly so they can reach higher places. So I don't know, maybe the origin of this legend is just someone watching like deer walk on two legs for an extended amount of time maybe in like the dark, in poor lighting conditions and thinking, what the fuck is that kind of demon? What in tarnation? It could be.
0: I mean, it's like, if you're going to get speculative evolution about it, it could be a kind of American gazelle goat type ungulate, maybe with a short face and it's evolved to like browsing tickets. So it's sometimes habitually like a, a meerkat rears, rears on two legs and kind of like ambles about on, uh, in, in like the thick pine forests and stuff, grazing. So maybe it's like v- very well equipped to like re- raise itself on four, two legs. But if anyone threatens it, it can just drop down to two legs and just flee about. And that would be my like head canon explanation too. And that's, I think, I mean, I'm certain that if both of us were better prepared, we could have gone into deeper dives about this thing but i think the real jersey devil was the nice tangents we made along the way so and slowly, the devil is
1: slowly slowly in the detail
0: <laughs> yeah very well said so slowly slowly we are getting ready to wrap up this episode any any last thing is you want to say before we say goodbye to our millions um... and millions of viewers tk
1: Maybe we should get back to like the earthquake issue. Like maybe we should tell our viewers how they might uh, support the victims in Turkey.
0: Oh, yes. I mean, it's extremely, extremely harsh. But if you visit this channel's social posts tab, basically, uh, last week I left a link showing all the associations in your relative country that you could donate to the thing is i think now that the basically the rescue efforts are almost over and and the real hurdle is for humanitarian aid to the region so i would tell everyone just to if they feel charitable just to look in their own country's official organizations mm-hmm. and basically study how they could donate. I mean, if you're in the U.S., the U.S. Red Cross is a good thing. If you're in the U.K., the there are other charities that do this. But just type in Turkey Earthquake Aid, the name of your country. And if you feel like uh, supporting, it, it's been a really harsh disaster. If you feel sub- like supporting this effort, everybody would be very happy if you did that. And it kind of pales in comparison, but TK and myself also would be very happy if you supported us directly on our patreons. The links are listed below. And if you and
1: it's, uh, apart from money, I think what is also important to donate is uh, clothes because there's so yeah, many people yeah. now. Like it's in the it's the depths of winter and it's, it gets very cold in that region. And a bunch of people are now without their belongings, without their houses, without their homes, so they mm-hmm. they really need clothes, so you oh you yes, you yes. also just donate your old old clothes,
0: yeah, I mean, you should definitely look into like donation drives for used clothing and like they basically there are people lost who lost everything, so nothing would be wasted I mean that's that's all I could say on this on this matter and it's like really a front front seat view of history happening oh so, so so that's that from me how about you my friend you're also like uh producing like remarkably good speculative evolution content thank and, you and and the link is hardashur.blogspot.com please check out uh, tks creations there
1: yeah I'm and... looking right now on turning some of those profiles into YouTube videos.
0: Oh, yeah? nice.
1: I'm, I can't guarantee if it will work out, but you will hopefully see soon what I'm doing.
0: All right, all right. I mean, I for one would be looking forward to seeing it. And wherever you are in the world, I we hope you stay safe, stay sane. It's a really changing world. And I mean, it's a real... Privilege to be able to speak about strange creatures and speculative evolution, but then again, maybe there has never been a better time, and that's all I can say about our time of monsters and disasters.
1: Yes, Uh, anything else on the devil you want to say? Well, I just missed him,
0: I just missed chatting with you and
1: wait, wait 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 no i, I don't asked, worship I, the devil i asked you what are your thoughts on the devil and you said oh i miss you chatting with you so yes we, yes that's the thing i miss chatting devil? with
0: you no i i'm talking to you <laughs> i miss chatting with you so much that i mean the jersey devil thing was kind of a throwaway subject and i think we did more and we had more fun catching up than talking about yeah, the damn did, thing. Did
1: you just worded it very funnily
0: oh yes If you play my podcast backwards, you can say uh, Satan, Satan, Satan. It's the only way. (laughs) No, no, the jokes aside, there was once a time in which I was blamed for being a Satanist because I had painted this big portrait of the Baphomet creature because I was in my 20s and like it was a single guy's 20s age, 20s house. So I wanted to have like a big centerpiece and then. It led to all sorts of weird stuff, but then when I moved out, this painting was so huge I couldn't take it anywhere, so I had to throw it out, basically. And then the Gezi Park riots happened, and weirdly, this painting turned out during the riots themselves. So,
1: so, so it was like it was a... someone like holding it up, holding it up during the protests?
0: No, no, it was too big to be held up, but it was propped up next to a street. And, like, basically, the police was chasing people in front of it.
1: But, and, and that's, it like, just, that's like uh, kind of funny. I don't know why. I mean, <laughs> just <laughs> like you, imagine you painting, like, accidentally becomes, like, world history.
0: No, no, I think it was, like, the its manifest destiny, in a way, like... I'm sure it must have been like a surreal experience for anyone involved in that scene uh, and in in that chase. But just to see this two meter tall portrait of this Baphomet creature with a sort of insect-like face, it was like, I mean, <laughs> there, one of one isn't, of the many deep lore adventures in my life.
1: Isn't your like this, like, uh, how do you say this, like this sigil of yours on your website, kind of inspired by Baphomet?
0: It was kind of inspired. Actually, it was like one of my first experiments with human anatomy. So I basically posed in front of a mirror and then like superimposed a few shots together. So it looked like I had four arms and stuff. Then I started drawing lines around it. And then because, well, it kind of looked cringe. I changed the face and gave it these big horns. Well, I think there's something nice about uh, an emblem like that. And I I just simply kept using it because it was like a consistent part of my online brand kind of thing. I don't know. I still, I mean, I I, I keep redesigning it. I redesigned it a few years ago. If I drew it again now, it would even be different. But I don't know. People like it, I think.
1: The, the history of Baphomet is kind of interesting because it was not originally meant to be like a just a representation Ooh, of the devil. Oh, yes, yes. Like it, basically it's, it's, possi- like it, it's possible that this thing was never worshipped by anyone in earnest. It was just that the Knights Templar during their famous trial with the Pope, um, they were accused of being devil uh-huh. worshippers wo- who worshipped this thing called Baphomet. And it's possible that this whole thing is just like a hoax by the Catholic Church, so they could uh, sue the mm. the Knights Templar for being uh, uh, Satanists, and so they could like deprive them of their statues and riches that they amassed in the Orient. But the interesting well, fact like, that that the name Baphomet may have come from Mahomet, so like that this was originally like a caricature of the Prophet Muhammad. By Christian,
0: oh, 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 yeah, that I mean, that too. I think the whole thing with Knights Templar is they were start, they started out a Crusader protection group.
1: Yeah, uh, actually, the reason they were suppressed
0: was oh,
1: okay, maybe turn off your camera now. I think it's better now. Yeah, what did you want to say?
0: I mean, the whole reason they get a bad rap is because basically they became like the arbiters of trade between Jerusalem and Europe. So they grew extremely wealthy and they made a lot of enemies and this led to a lot of slander. I mean, we think all of these things are very mystical now, but they were like very like in in real world, real political reasons why they acted and lived and died the way they did. I mean, it was like a kind of, hmm, it's difficult to make parallels in this day, but I mean, they became powerful for a reason and they were persecuted for that very same reason, probably. Yeah. All right. So that was that the deepest lore on uh, whether or not I'm a Satanist or <laughs> crusade and And stuff
1: but you just today upload a video about like uh, what was it like esotericism versus skepticism oh yes
0: that too okay so i'm actually researching oh i i'm researching for a a bigger video actually it's gonna come soon but i want to make some like off-the-cuff things and i've got this like so whenever like i receive a profound email from a friend or like some list of questions from a student fan or something like this i always think it's like better to record answers as a youtube video because it's easier actually easier than typing and i mean it brings people to my channel so this was that question by a, a very long time friend online and basically they wanted to know wh- where I was standing in mysticism versus skepticism, so it's just my responses.
1: So, so there, and it's the for Satanism. No, okay, I'll stop now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, so <laughs> okay, yeah, I think we said most things we can with the, the limited uh, research we did. Yeah, yeah. We had a nice time talking. I mean what
0: what would you what what would what would you like us to talk about next? This is kind of like a disoriented episode, but I think it's all the better for it. But
1: well I told you let us know I told you the options are uh, we talk about the Venus hypothesis paper, which I sent you once. Mm -hmm. Then we wanted to Mm -hmm, do like mm -hmm. a big episode on the uh, atmospheric beast lore, which goes m- much beyond your video about the Bursa beast. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, yeah, various other cryptids. And, of course, our viewers can also suggest ideas in the comments. Like, like one, yeah. like I think a person wanted us to talk about cryptids we think might be real. And that would be a really interesting episode, I think.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We might actually do that. So from me until later, thank you, TK, for your time. Thank you to our viewers and everybody have a nice day.
1: Goodbye. Bye bye.